You're listening to the Empty Stringers Podcast, where every week we talk about locating, catching, and the conservation of redfish. My hope is to share with you what I'm seeing from the polling platform so that together we can catch more fish. Think of it as your weekly fishing report. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. I'm your host, Matt Parrish. And uh, we just finished dealing with the 2024 edition of Snowpocalypse or whatever you want to call it. We didn't get any snow. Well, it may have flurried in places, I guess, but it got really cold. And that means the water temperature got really cold. And that messes with the fishing. So... I'm going fishing tomorrow. I thought it might be a good idea to just go through the planning of the trip with you. We're going to plan it together. Before we do that, there's a couple of just uh, tried and true things that you should keep in mind this time of year as the water gets really cold. I said it last year, I'll say it again, 48 degrees is my number. 48 degrees water temperature is when I abandon the shallow flats. And there's very few instances where I don't. But if I'm painting with a broad brush, I abandon the flats at 48 degree water temperature and I go find deep structure. How do you find deep structure? Well, if you know where deep water is, you're looking for deep. So let's clarify deep water. Deep water to me uh, has a couple of different levels to it. The first level would be four to six feet of water with hard structure. Shell uh, is your your key go-to there. So I'm going to go look in areas that fit that bill if the fish aren't there, I'm going to mud bottoms with decent current and we're looking for that water to be deeper. 8 to 12 feet would be ideal. You have a consistent 7 to 8 foot depth uh, and then you have a pocket where it drops off to 12 feet. That's even better. So that's kind of what you're looking for. Our bays are fairly shallow. You don't have a ton of those areas, big areas around. And uh, so if the fish are going to be out in the middle of the bay, they're going to be holding tight to structure. But I think a lot of them uh, followed the bait. And where the bait go, the bait went deep when it got down because the water temperature got way lower. It's 44 degrees right now, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it got a lot lower than that. So... Uh, those fish, those bait, those mullet, all the bait that's in there, they went buried down in the mud or they went to deeper water. So one of the things, uh, one of the reasons why I check uh, shell and I tend to kind of abandon the flats this time of year. I don't mean the flat, the big open flats in the bays. I mean like the marshes. Uh, so let me be a little more clear. I This is the time of year where I kind of abandon the marshes. The water has fallen out of most of the areas that I like to fish in the marsh anyway. 
And uh, I'm not going to say you can't find fish in the marsh. A lot of people are finding fish in the bayous leading up to the marshes and, and uh, you know, little drop-offs at the edge or they, they may push up onto a flat. But the number one thing you, you have to keep in mind this time of year is being near deep water because these fish slide up during the warming trend and feed and then they slide back off and they rest and they dive down deep into the into the deeper water and sit on the bottom. You catch trout with mud on their bellies this time of year because they have been sitting in uh in the mud on the bottom of a you know an 8 foot channel or a pothole that's that deep or a uh you know a shell reef uh that has mud, a muddy bottom next to it. That's where they're at. Uh, redfish are not far. You're going to see them intermingled. You're going to catch some redfish with some trout this time of year if you're fishing deep holes. The ticket to that is a quarter ounce jig head and let it sink to the bottom and roll it so slow. Like slower than you think you need to. Way slower than you think you need to. I'm talking a revolution should be like, you know, start here, go around, go around, go around, go around. That's one revolution of the handle on your reel. That's how slow we're talking. It works. Let it sit there for a minute. Jiggle it. Don't pop it. Just jiggle it. Uh, That's the way you get those fish that have taken off and are down in the in the bottom that's the way you get them to eat you throw it in front of them and you uh present a very low energy opportunity to feed that's how you'll get those bites um that's not a whole lot of fun to fish that way i don't like it but when it gets below when the water temperature gets below 48 degrees i fall off into a deep area and that's what i do and it has consistently produced fish. Uh, I've had days uh, with Chris and with a, a couple other buddies. And then I've also gone out in crazy cold days by myself and uh, and caught fish. So uh, we've caught five, six, seven, eight fish uh, doing that. It's just not a whole lot of fun unless the action's happening. So it's there. Try an area, spend 30 40 minutes doing that in an area. And if you don't catch anything, pick up a move to the next one. Um, I like when the warming trends, instead of focusing in on the back areas of the marsh that have gone dry now, I like to find big open flats that have shell structure to them, uh, rocks, um, uneven terrain. Um, I like, I like shallow rock ledges. I like sand humps uh, with, scattered shell throughout those are the areas i'm i'm trying to key in on right now the water is very clear there and uh if you have a low wind day you can really uh you can really have a good line of sight and do well but one thing i have noticed is that this time of year the major and minor play more of a factor in the feeding than uh, you would think most times of the year, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to a major and a minor other than the fact I don't, 
I try not to pick up and run and spend the major or minor, you know, running to the next spot. I try to be fishing wherever I am during that time. But the major and minor seem to play a bigger role for the redfish this time of year. Chris and I went out last week. Uh, the water temperature was, uh, I don't think it was very cold. I think it was like 58. But we had a 15-mile-an-hour wind. I had a customer marked out, and him and his brother wanted to go sight casting, but uh, it, we weren't going to have good conditions to sight cast. And so I just told him, hey, like I'm still going to go if you guys want to go, but uh, it's not going to be pristine sight casting conditions. And if that's what you guys are after, maybe we wait uh, for a warm, clear day. And so that's what they decided to do. Me and Chris went out and we launched at 7 a.m. We had caught and released four redfish by 8.15. So it was hot early. That was when the miner was taking place. Miner quit and it went dead. And we pushed around this whole big area, didn't see much, moved, couldn't find a fish to save our life. Um, went back and patrolled the same area we had started out in the morning. Didn't see anything until, so around about noon, Mark reached out and he's like, hey, how was it out there? What did we miss? And at that time, I told him, hey, we caught, we've caught four redfish and a trout. And I kind of thought we were done for the day. And then I looked at my app on my phone and saw that the miner was going to start at one o'clock. So like, we might as well stay put and fish uh, sorry, the major was starting at one o'clock. So we might as well stay put and fish the major. And so we kept pushing through this area, covering more ground, caught three more redfish. Ended the day with seven redfish and two trout. Uh, so I just, that day in particular, we had high wind, we had cool water, uh, we had overcast skies for the most part. It was on and off. And the major and minor seemed to be when they were up on the shallows feeding. And we were near deep water. We were fishing hard shell structure. It just made sense. So that's been the pattern. Now this this snowpocalypse that's come in has cooled the water off a lot. We're at 44 degrees right now. It's been even colder than that. So where are the fish? What are they doing? I believe that they have moved out so sometimes when it drops really cold like that they'll dump off in these little uh potholes i'm talking about a 30 yard by 30 yard hole that no one knows about unless they you know have a transducer and have checked the area out but it you know this this little hole or this deep bayou that's not that long they'll dump off into there when it gets this cold and it stays that cold that this long, uh, I think those fish move out of there and they go to more consistent deep water. They go to the intercoastal waterway. Uh, they go uh, to areas that have large, consistently deep bottoms. And so that's where they're at right now. It's Wednesday night. I don't think they've moved up onto the flats. Again, some of the flats still had ice on them uh, this morning. So I don't think that they're moving up in the flats yet. I think that come tomorrow afternoon, 
when the minor hits, uh, the minor hits between 11 and uh, 12, I think. I can't remember if it's the major or the minor, but uh, I think that's going to be a really good feeding window because we're going to be warming up. Air temperature is going to be up around 60, and I'm hoping that the water temperature bumps up to about 53 or so. Uh, if we can get it up that high, we'll have fish on the flats and they will be feeding. They will be hungry. So here's the plan. Uh, the plan is launch it at daylight and deal with the cold because it's going to be 47. It's not terrible, but it's cold. And we're going to go fish deep water. We're going to fish deep water till that sun starts to shine really good on the uh, on the flats. And we're going to keep an eye. It's going to be mostly overcast tomorrow, too. So we may not get a lot of warmth, uh, but we're going to cross our fingers and hope. So we've got low wind. So what I'll do is I'll look and I'll find the even in low wind. I'll look to see, OK, what's protected and what is near deep water and what has hard shell structure that we want to fish. Well, I've got probably five places like that 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 match that description. I'm going to I'm going to cross two of them out because they're on the uh they're they're in an area where we are going to catch the wind. And even though the wind's going to be 8 to 10 miles an hour, it's not going to be that big a deal. I want to find the the glassiest water I can. And so I'm going to look at the wind and fish behind, uh, you know, an island or, or try to try to, uh, you know, block the wind with whatever land structures are around so that I get the cleanest, clearest look at the redfish that are up there. And, uh, so we'll fish deep water. And when we fish deep water, I mean, I'm going to go find, uh, six to eight feet of water that is not just some tiny pothole, but something that has some consistent size to it. And I'm going to go look at structure in those areas. I may, I may check out fishing a dock. I may uh, go fish a four foot, six foot deep reef. I may go um, on a five foot deep area, find a pothole that dumps off and is. 10 to 12 feet deep. Um, those are all places I'm looking at in the morning. And uh, I want it to be somewhat near where I'm going to fish the flats. So I'm trying to target that same group of fish and go, all right, these fish are deep. Let's see if we can get them to eat now. And then if they don't, uh, or even if a couple of them do, we're going to try to follow them up onto the flats when that sun starts to shine and catch them in a foot or two of water up near a shell reef or a rock ledge or, um, you know, maybe even a mud bottom, who, who knows, right? We'll go wherever they're at at that point. But that's the plan. We'll be off the water by around 2.30 and hope that we've caught, you know, seven or eight, 10 or 12 redfish, something like that. I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. It's been brutal out there. It's been really cold. Uh, so I guess we'll have to see. Uh, there's one little thing I wanted to mention. The shell reef thing and why why we target those this time of year. So Chris made this discovery, uh, my fishing buddy Chris Colin. 
he kept a redfish a while back and when he was uh, gutting him, he always checks the stomach and he always sends me a report on what the stomach contents were. Well, he caught a redfish that had like an eight inch mullet in its belly and also had these worms, like this, uh, a couple of these big earthworm looking things. So he looked it up. Turns out they're called marine worms and they live around these little shallow water reefs. So if you see a red tailing on a reef, he could be eating a marine worm. Uh, the little crabs are kind of gone. The water's too cold for them. They've, they've gone off into the deep uh, areas and they're there to stay. And so uh, it's probably these marine worms that they're eating. So just, just a little tidbit. I don't know anything about them. Uh, except for that they look like earthworms and that they live on these reefs. So it's something to think about if you're up there. Um, also, it it bodes well for the whole idea of the really slow uh, bait presentation. So just something to marry up together and makes a lot of sense. So that's what the morning is going to look like. Fish deep structure for the first two to three hours. Start sliding up onto the flats and looking and covering as much ground as we can and uh, focusing on structure as much as we can, I think that's going to yield your your best results out there. Um, as far as what we're throwing, I talked about the paddle tail and the quarter-ounce jig head. It really doesn't, the color, the color doesn't matter that much. If I'm throwing deep, I usually throw dark. Uh, and I like small baits. I did throw a bait that was a little bigger uh, this past week, and it worked well. Um, I, I started throwing the Caden uh, lure paddle tail, the 3.75 inch, and uh, and I had good results with it. It's got great tail action, so uh, we're going to see. I'm going to keep – that was its inaugural test, so I'm, we'll see. I'm going to keep fishing it. It's just the right size for me to throw deep. It's a little, it's a little on the bigger uh, side than what I'm used to used to throwing those DSL burner shads that are three inches long. Uh, so deep, big is fine. I just, my personal preference is not to go huge. Like I don't usually throw the big five inch baits. Uh, but if you are the type to throw those, now's your time. Now's a good time to throw those baits. Uh, trout love those baits and you, you can catch a big old redfish. Cause I mean, like I said, Chris found an eight inch mullet in uh, that redfish's belly. That redfish was maybe a 23-and-a-half-inch redfish. So something to think about for sure. Uh, we're fishing places this time of year that we're running, that we have been running over all year or pa- places that we drove right past going to our spot. And so uh, it's fun and interesting just to go, man, I was I never paid this any attention, and now... Look at me, I'm fishing here because the water has fallen out. Now, it's it's not crazy, crazy low out there, but it's low enough. You got to be careful. I think we're we're about to be at high tide and we're at 1.2 over MLLW. Our, uh, our low tide is going to fall out uh, just below zero. So it gets pretty low there on low tide. I barely have enough water in the boat lift to get my uh, to get my boat back in. Uh, I just had boat maintenance done. I Like I told y'all before, I picked the worst week, weather week of the year, if I can, and I put the boat in the shop. I take it down to the boat yard. JT and Mark 
do a phenomenal job, and it's just easy. I just swing in there. I drop it off. Uh, they see me coming, come outside. Hey, Matt, what's going on? Just leave it right there. We got it covered. What do you need? I said, hey, listen, I need a new, I need a water pump. Do the do the one year service, but put a water pump in it because uh, I think I'm putting about two years worth worth of abuse on my water pumps in one year. So that's an expensive uh, way to run a boat. But I mean, I'm in such shallow water on these mud flats uh, most of the time that I'm gonna I'm gonna give my water pump hell. So. I did that. I fully recommend the Boatyard. That is an unpaid sponsorship. I just think they're great people. And um, if uh, if I had any kind of boat anywhere near them, I'd be using them for uh, for my maintenance and repair. So so that is that. Uh, let's get to our Bible tidbit. We're talking about Judas Iscariot this week. Judas is the disciple that betrayed Jesus. And so, if you want to go read this story, it is in every one of the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, toward the tail end. You get around the, Lord, uh, the Lord's Supper, the, the Last Supper uh, part of the story. You get to the point where uh, Judas um, basically takes a bribe to betray Jesus and lead the officials that are looking to arrest him to him. And so he gets like 30 pieces of silver and he leads uh, these officials and Roman guards in to get uh, to get Jesus and they arrest him. And Peter cuts off the ear of one of the guards and Jesus tells him to put his sword away and then he heals the guard's ear and restores it. Uh, and then he is taken um, before Annas and Caiaphas uh, and and all all that stuff begins. But what I want to drill down on is Judas. Judas was one of the twelve. He was selected by Christ, and this was not a surprise to Jesus. He was not surprised that one of the twelve betrayed him. He was not surprised that it was Judas. He knew it was going to happen. He knew that it would be Judas. He says so during the Last Supper. He even tells Judas that it's going to be him. But because of the confusion of the conversation around the table, it doesn't seem to to infer that the rest of the disciples understood what was going on in the dialogue between Jesus and Judas. Um, so he betrays him for that money. And then what happens to him? Well, he uh, is immediately remorseful after he sees that Jesus is uh, is going to be, you know, flogged and eventually crucified. I don't believe he knew that at the time, but he felt really bad about turning him in. And he went to give the money back. And the guys are like, hey, it's too late. I mean, you do what you want to with that money. And Judas threw it down in the temple and he ran out and he went and hanged himself, uh, committed suicide. And the interesting thing surrounding Judas, two main things. One, Judas was with the disciples in Christ 
when all of the miracles happened, when uh, he gave sight to the blind, when he healed the sick, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, Judas was there, but he seemed blinded, unable to see or understand that Jesus was indeed the Christ. And it even says in, uh, I know it does in the version in Mark, I don't know about the other gospels, I'd have to go read all those accounts, but it tells us in John that all of this happened to fulfill a prophecy about Christ being betrayed. Um, And so, it's just a very interesting thing that you could have a guy that is with Christ, friends with him, eating at the table with him, seeing the miracles he's doing, hearing the words that w- that he preached to the crowds and the things he taught the disciples. And you would have uh, 11 that fully believed in him and believed the prophecy about him and all of those things. And then you got one Judas that has essentially just been blinded by it. You remember even back when Mary was, uh, she had taken that expensive bottle of perfume and spilled it all over Jesus's feet and she was wiping Jesus's feet with her hair as a way to honor him, as a way to like uh, worship him even. And Judas was like, we could have sold that perfume and given the money to the poor. And even then, like, Judas's evil was shrouded in what looked like goodwill. And it's just hard to tell the difference, right? Even the disciples at the table, when Jesus is telling Judas this is going to happen, uh, that he's going to betray him, They are aloof. I guess they're caught up in their own conversations. They don't really know what's happening. They walked with this guy too. They didn't know it was him. They didn't know, no one felt any kind of funny way about him. So that's a little on the terrifying side, but I I say all this for a couple of reasons. One, I think you should go read the story. It's an intriguing story. And I also think it's a lesson to us to go, hey, there is evil in this world that can see the miracles, that can experience all the things that we've experienced, and they're still going to turn a blind eye to God. And they're going to be out for themselves. And many times they sit with us, they eat with us, they seem to have good intentions, but um, but they don't. And so uh, I just found that to be uh, profound, that whole story. So That is your Bible tidbit for today. If you are going to throw a crankbait or you're going to throw a uh, wakebait, why would you throw just an ordinary one? Why not throw one of Kevin's Outside's custom painted baits? Go to Fish Sticks, buy them, throw those. They're way better looking. And if a fish has any um, sense in his head, he'll eat one of those over a regular one. So go do that. Also, um, if you would like to book a trip with me, 
especially if you would like to book in the spring, you need to get with me because it's going to fill up fast and we've got the Matagorda Island trip in the spring. So that's going to take me out of commission for one of those weeks. So get with me now. Let's book something for the spring. I have a pretty good idea when things are going to turn on and when the schools are going to start going nuts. And so uh, let's let's get on that. If you want to book with me now uh, for February, cool. We've got some days coming up in the next two weeks that the weather's going to be warm enough. I think we should be able to get on some fish if the rain and the clouds hold off. Uh, let's talk and let's plan on a tentative day and we'll watch the weather. You can view my calendar for booking at cappedmattparish.com. Uh, do that and you can even select your date and then I'll get with you and we'll talk about the weather and all that good stuff. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, emptystringers at gmail.com is the easiest way. You can shoot me a DM on Instagram at empty underscore stringers there. Follow me on TikTok. If you guys have been enjoying the podcast, I got a couple of favors. One, tell all your fishing buddies, all your red fishing buddies uh, about the podcast. That's how we grow. Two, leave a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. When you leave a review, it, uh, it activates the algorithm to push this thing further up the chain. So I'll greatly appreciate that. I really appreciate all of you guys listening and reaching out. It means the world to me. And uh, go listen to the Paddler's Playbook. He's got some new stuff dropping soon. We'll talk to you next time.